Welcome back to The Pleasure Pod, your favorite black feminist podcast, where I get into all things feel good so that we, as a community, together can feel better. Let's hit this intro music and we'll be right back. Welcome back to the Pleasure Pod, your favorite black feminist podcast. Hey y'all, it's Bree, your favorite black feminist scholar, educator, homegirl. I'm so happy again to be back with y'all on episode two. We're going to get into these quick announcements and then get into the content of today's episode that's going to be all about relationships, relationship theology, and how I think we need to really interrogate the culture of shame and scarcity around viral internet sermons and internet spirituality so first our first announcement is as always this podcast is labor my team the audio engineers the creative director the audio editors are all black women and i like to pay them for their labor so you giving me some tangible material resources to support them helps support everyone around me and allows me to keep paying black women for their skills, their talents, their labor so they can go forth and do what they love. So ways to support me the first way is through Patreon, www.patreon.com slash breed, B-R-Y-R-E-E-D. You can also tap in with me on Venmo at b-r-y-r-e-e-d and on cash app that cash sign that dollar sign b-r-y-r so that's my tangible resource links of ways you can tap in with me on patreon i have three tiers i have supportive engaged and brave so you can support me monthly for as low as three dollars then there's five and then there's ten when you sign up for the brave tier you're getting exclusive audio content from the pod You're getting ASMR audio clips of me reading some of my favorite poems. You're getting exclusive access to reading guides, book lists. So there's so much going on in that brave tier. Shout out to Yara for my quick patron shout out. Shout out to so many people who joined across different tiers. Since the first episode came out, I've gained like nine or ten patrons. And that means so much to me because that is a sustained, constant commitment every month that you're letting me, you know, get $3 five dollars ten dollars to keep doing the work that I need to do it means so much to me because signing up to be a patron is a big commitment you're continuing to support me materially month after month so thank you thank you thank you to everyone who continues to do that it's not lost on me that we are in hectic times and money for a lot of folks is scarce and y'all's continued investment in me makes me feel so so good so thank you so much Another announcement that I have is that I'm going to be appearing on a great series coming up on Instagram, um, and I'm going to talk about that a little bit more at the end of the episode about my next sort of Instagram live appearance. I'm so excited. I don't really do social media appearances like lives and stuff like that, but this one is for an amazing cause, an amazing project, and I'm so, so happy. 
So stay tuned to the end of the pod to find out where you can catch me talking all my good stuff on Instagram with someone who is like a big sister to me. And I'm so glad that her and her community have welcomed me and made me feel so at home. So definitely stay tuned for that announcement at the end of the pod. So today's episode is about relationships and how relationship theology thrives on a culture of shame and scarcity. So first, I want to begin with a moment of honesty, and it's not heavy, but I feel like definitions and knowing where people are coming from is important in this work. So first, I begin by saying I'm a polyamorous pansexual from a black Catholic family. So I was raised on Catholic traditions and currently do not practice Catholicism, but background is important. These identities and how I relate to people is important for this conversation about relationships, and these identities relate directly to this podcast and my larger pleasure politics. So for me, I strive to maintain healthy, fun, and honest relationships throughout my life, whether that be with family, friends, romantic partners, etc. And so my investment in relationships does not relegate itself to romantic partners. I truly strive to love, care for, forgive, and be honest with everyone in my life, from my mama to my line sisters, to the different people that I encounter when I'm flirting with them, when I'm in a relationship with them. I really try to uphold the same morals, values, and boundaries with everyone. And my life has gotten so much better as I do that hard work of maintaining that commitment to myself and others because it hasn't been easy. And striving to love, care for, forgive, and be honest with everyone in my life has taken so much inner work so much interpersonal work, so much therapy. Shout out to my therapist, Alexis. Thank you so much for all of the work on boundaries and standards that we have done. It helps me immensely. And a lot of that comes from the respect that I have for others and myself. And that respect requires me to do work and continuously check in with myself, check in with my emotions. Am I able to be a supportive sister? Am I able to be a supportive daughter right now? Can I be a loving partner to someone in this moment? And being honest about how can I do that and when does it get difficult? And so I try to respect those throughout my life that I love because respect is a part of loving them. And people have different definitions of love, which I also think is important to name in the beginning of this episode, that you can be loving someone and the love that you're giving them is based on ideals about trust and emotional support and being emotionally present. But their definition of loving you is about showing up materially, supporting you and providing. And y'all need to have that conversation on what does love look like for you? How do you receive love? How do you want to be loved? And how are you going to give me love? And those are very important conversations that I've started in my own life and continue to to constantly work on because this work is never done. There's never a destination. There's just a constant journey. And sometimes the journey is a little bit easier. And I think it's also important to name that the respect that I have for those that I love isn't transactional. Like it's not based on what I'm getting from them or how we're advancing each other's careers or, or journeys. It's very much so about experience and being in love with the way that I am able to experience people. And I think that's a beautiful thing. Being able to experience people that you love is beautiful to me. Being able to see the people that I love do what they love, seeing them learn more and grow and be more vulnerable is a beautiful part of relationships for me. And I also believe that my approach to relationships is pragmatic 
it's understanding that people are flawed but also ever-changing and that's deeply rooted in this ongoing journey that I'm having with restorative justice with transformation and knowing that people can and do transform so as a summary I deeply value friendships I'm constantly working on my boundaries to be my best in all of my relationships and I deeply value my elders and my mentors and in all of that I've also done the inner work of recognizing who I am as a person I'm an assertive communicator and I love language I love words I love reading I love talking and in being an assertive communicator, it's not like rah-rah, like everything is on 10 all the time. And I had to learn that that's not what assertive means at its foundation. The way that it's used colloquially and connotatively can mean something very aggressive. And with aggression comes this image of a brick wall or of someone who's domineering. But through therapy, I've learned that being an assertive communicator just means that I have to talk things out. And that I'm going to be the person who is going to bring these things up as a way for me to heal and work through something. And that's been something that I've learned about myself in the past year and that I'm actively implementing in my own journey of relationships and self-discovery. And so these things are blessings, right? But it's also work to recognize that everyone does not communicate like me. And that relationships are that, they're relational, they're how you relate to another person and how that person relates to you. And so recognizing that everybody isn't going to be an assertive communicator like me, and sometimes that causes problems. And what are we going to do when those problems arise, right? What are we going to do if in being an assertive communicator, I'm bringing an issue to you, but you're a person who needs time to process things. And so when I bring something up to you on Monday, you're not ready to talk about it on Monday, and it's going to take you time to process until like Wednesday or Thursday. And how can I take a step back, hold space for my feelings and the need to process something, but also give you time and space to process things how you need to so that we can have the best outcome? Because for me, conflict resolution isn't about right and wrong. It's about healing and recognizing when harm has been done. And how can we heal from this? How can we heal from this problem in our relationship? And how can we work together? And so today's case study on relationships is Michael Todd. And so if you're unfamiliar, Michael Todd is a pastor in Tulsa, Oklahoma at Transformation Church. And he goes viral a lot for his sermon surrounding relationship and quote relationship goals. And he has a book that just came out of the same name. And I've seen people post this book so many times. And so I've also seen his face on different like reposts that people share on Instagram stories But with the release of the book, I really just got into thinking about how Michael Todd's notoriety comes from a very lucrative legacy of relationship theology. And what I mean about that is that relationship theology to me has been something I've seen throughout my life, throughout my family, the black women in my family who used to buy all the books listen to all the the T.D. Jakes audio about different people, primarily black male pastors, telling black women how to change themselves, whether it be through investment or through suppression, to have a better shot at, at marriage. And so that's my entry point to thinking about relationship theology. I'm sure it's much more expansive than that. And thinking about how usually this this market is about marriage and talking about how not everyone aspires to marriage. So that's one problem I have with mainstream 
relationship theology and how it's always heteronormative not a lot of people are talking about queer folk and relationships and relationship goals and what if your aspiration in your relationship is not marriage it's not hetero what do we do there and so there's a lot of different issues that I have with relationship theology but in particular I want to be honest that I do not attend transformation church nor do I plan to buy his book (laughs) But I still want to bring him up because I think that Todd is a great contemporary case study in how relationship theology thrives on teaching black women fear and shame and how that relates to our pleasure. I also think that Todd's book is the latest version of this lucrative economy, but it's not new. It's a repackaging of the same old patriarchal investments in teaching black women how to navigate the world without talking about how the world relates to black women, how the world harms us, how the world makes us feel less than. And I think it's important to name that. And so instead of listening and following Michael Todd in my own life, I love how womanism and black feminist approaches to faith and relationships teach me so much nearly every single day about how I can show up and be my best self for the people that I love and for myself because I am a person that I love. And these teachings are rooted in restorative justice work and give us interpersonal tools. They give us tools about how we can take these philosophical ideas, how we can take these larger theories, these lessons that are given to us by Black women, Black womanists, and Black feminists, and how can we implement them on a daily basis with our parents, with our friends, with our lovers, with our partners, with our children. How are we able to tap into these teachings and use them day by day? And I love that about womanism and black feminist approaches to faith and relationship work. So instead of talking about soul ties, because that's a sermon that I've heard from Michael Todd, not by name, but he's talking about soul ties whenever he talks about When you have sex with a person and they leave, they're taking a piece of you. That is not a new rhetoric. It happens all the time across social media, across different faith traditions, talking about specifically to women and addressing us as like, when you have sex, there's something to lose. And that's a deficit mindset. And in particular, I think about how this preaching and this teaching teaches me, if I internalize it, that I'm losing a piece of myself. Whereas with womanism and black feminist theory, I'm reminded constantly that I'm alive and that being alive comes with the opportunity for harm because we're human. We can be harmed. We're susceptible to sickness, to different things while we're navigating this world that could have different effects on us. And those experiences of being harmed are not losses. They are experiences. They can give us opportunities to navigate boundaries and healing. They can give us opportunities to navigate trauma. And at the point where we're being harmed, it is so difficult to see this clarity and to have this foresight and this overwhelming faith in ourselves. But Black feminism talks about that too, and it talks about how to see a way through when it feels like there's no way. And giving us, again, opportunities to navigate boundaries and healing which is not something that I hear enough in relationship theology. Yes, so I've had sex. Now you've told me that someone's taking a piece of me with them. Do I get it back? Can I rebuild? Can I grow? Or am I always at a deficit, always at a loss? And I think that's why I'm so tired of relationship theology that requires me to think that something is a deficit. 
to think that my pleasure comes at the expense of myself. And this deficit framework is so detrimental, especially to black women who are already impacted by racism, sexism. If you're queer, you're affected by queer phobia and homophobia. Most black women, even if you don't participate in sex work, can still be harmed by whorephobia, which is the ways that the world demeans and oppresses sex workers because black women are thought to be hypersexual. So how are we already affected by this rhetoric that makes us adjacent to hoes or names us as a hoe for participating in any sort of sexual exploration? And I hate a deficit framework. I hate a deficit framework in a world that already teaches me that I'm less than. And I hate hearing that as I'm trying to grow because that's where you're at a lot of the times when you meet relationship theology. You're seeking this out as an opportunity to grow, you're curious about how to grow in your faith, in your life, and these sermons can be so detrimental to someone on that journey. And knowing that, I'm also naming that I've learned more about relationships from Toni Morrison, Gloria Naylor, and James Baldwin than Michael Todd could ever give me. And so for some reading suggestions, I would say that reading Song of Solomon taught me so much more about romantic and familial love than any of the videos that I've watched about this man for the past week and a half. Reading If Beale Street Could Talk by James Baldwin taught me so, so much about a deep love of self, a deep love of community, and a deep love of family. And so those are two fiction book recommendations. And for nonfiction, I constantly learn a lot about Audre Lorde. And from Audre Lorde, I'm reading Zami, a new spelling of my name right now and learning so much about love and exploration and particularly loving women. And Adrian Marie Brown's Pleasure Activism is a book that I constantly return to when thinking about pleasure, relationships, and self because that book is an anthology that is so thoroughly curated and includes so many great voices from talking about It begins literally with Audre Lorde's The Uses of the Erotic, right? Because people hear pleasure and think about eroticism, sex, sexuality. But it goes from there and talks about how eroticism and pleasure is deeply connected to a politic of pleasure that extends beyond those spaces. And that was some of the motivation for this podcast itself. So thank you to Adrian Marie Brown. Thank you to everyone included in Pleasure Activism for all of that work. And more than that, these books on relationships have taught me so much about growing in relationships, growing in relation to people, growing from experiences with people. So those are a few book recommendations. If you need them again, Song of Solomon, If Beale Street Could Talk. Audrey Lord's Sister Outsiders, where you can find uses of the erotic, but it's also included in Pleasure Activism by Adrian Marie Brown. And so more than that, there's so many books on relationship theology that prey, again, on the curiosity and the vulnerability of Black women. And I'm wondering if people in their, their journeys through faith, through thinking about relationships, are giving time to black women theologians, black women theologists who are doing incredible spiritual and religious work. Um, One that I love is LaVon Proverbs. She's a sex positive preacher and writer. So LaVon Proverbs, L-Y-V-O-N-N-E is how you can find her when you 
go to Google. So again, she's a sex positive preacher and writer. She's a faculty member at Spelman. She's my soror and Delta Sigma Theta. Um, and ultimately from all of the different videos and podcasts that I've listened to her, she's good peoples, right? Like let's invest tangibly and productively in good people and people who speak about abundance, the abundance of black womanhood, the abundance of black people as a whole. She's inclusive of queer folk and thinking about the Bible and religion. She's inclusive of, of sexuality and talking about sex, not from a framework of deficit, but of experience and abundance and navigating sexual trauma, which is something that I, I love that's included in her faith practices. And so if you do nothing else from this podcast, yes, I critiqued Michael Todd, but also giving you a black woman resource who's doing the work. So please look up Lebon Proverbs. It's Juju Bay is somebody that I always return to for the ways that she engages with sex positivity and trauma and and relationships of all kinds. I love her work, thoroughly invested in that. I listen to her podcast, a little Juju podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And so those are a few tangible resources of how we can begin to think about relationships in a different way that isn't invested in relationship theology and the ways that it has been marketed through men talking at black women and about black women. So I hope this helps. I hope that you learn something. I hope that this sparks a conversation in you. Who are you listening to to engage in relationship theology? Are you interested in relationship theology? Have you seen different versions of this throughout your life? What conversations have been had about relationships? And are you going to make a commitment to changing the way that you think about relationships after listening to this? And as I wrap up today's episode, um, my final announcement that I'm so happy to talk about is that I've been invited to participate in Sisters in the Circle, which is a weekly restorative justice conversation facilitated by just barb on instagram she's been bringing in different black and brown women who do restorative justice and transformative justice work and i'm so glad to be hopping on with her we're going to talk about literature and healing we're going to talk about student activism we're going to talk about me being 20 something and trying to navigate restorative justice while also doing the work to continue to grow and read and learn myself i'm so so happy and that's going to be on june 20th at one o'clock eastern time on instagram so please stay tuned for that we're also going to be doing an amazing book giveaway Y'all are hearing about it first. We're giving away five books by different black folk that are really going to help everyone who hops on learning about restorative justice and transformative justice. But you have to watch the live to win. You have to be engaged with us on there. So I'll post more details on my own Instagram in the coming weeks about how you can win those giveaways. Again, five books, black folk, restorative and transformative justice. This was an amazing episode. It is always my pleasure to talk about pleasure with y'all, talking about how to feel good so we can all feel better. As always, with love from me to you. Mwah.